welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. Oh, you are still here then. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up, the strange case of Jekyll Wednesday and Hyde Wednesday. Uh, we've got reaction from Gary Monk after the Wigan defeat. He's not a happy man. Let's do Jekyll first. Friday night then. Long trip to QPR, but worth it. It was, and, and there was a reaction after the Blackburn mauling. And uh, we need to clutch on a few positives at the moment. And um, Wednesday deserved the win. And uh, it, it was a much improved showing. It does seem like a long time ago now. But, um, yeah, there were some very good individual performances. And not just because he scored, but I thought Morgan Fox was excellent. Yep. Really good. He just continues to get better and better. And that's why we're, we're really hoping that Wednesday will get his new contract signed, sealed and delivered pretty soon. Um, and yeah, they made hard work of it late on after the mistake from Cameron Dawson. It's the Wednesday way. It is the Wednesday way, as we've come to expect. But yeah, defensively, I, I thought that a lot of you know players stood up and uh, there, was, there was a great moment in that second half when it looked as if Eze, their danger man, was going to have a shot in the box and we all know how good he is at this level and there must have been two or three Wednesday defenders there just throwing themselves frantically at the ball. Um, that It was committed and wholehearted and what we want to see from Wednesday on a regular basis. Uh, but yeah, that was the sort of defending that we did not see at all against Blackburn where everybody got stuck in um, and put the head and bodies in where it hurts. Um, and yeah, they got the, the job done and uh, that was the third away win on the spin. I want to jump straight into Wigan now. No, you can't. No, we're taking <laughs> it in order. All those things that you've just said that we didn't then see yeah. on um, Tuesday night, but we will we will come to um, to Wigan in a in a moment. Although I'm 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 just I'm so fascinated about because you're right about that sort of we saw that that block from uh, Morgan Fox in the second half where it, it was uh, it reminded me if I can't remember what game it was there was a football tournament years ago it must have been a World Cup or something when England were playing and there was this clip of John Terry kind of throwing himself like a salmon in front of the ball and Morgan Fox uh, on Friday night kind of reminded me of of that where you know it, it was bodies on the line style defending um, and it, you know this is sandwiched between two games where that just wasn't there at all and that's that's quite fascinating but we'll we'll come to that in terms of team selection so there were a few changes probably the biggest surprise for me was um Hutch and Pelly Pessy together in the middle now it's not very often we see these two guys on the pitch at the same time it's generally one or the other and you kind of look at it and say is that a bit of a kind of a, a negative defensive looking midfield pairing because you associate them both with playing that um defensive role Obviously, we kind of saw Pelle Pessi being a little bit more in, in that attacking midfield role or, or almost playmaker role um, there. How do you think that that worked? It worked okay, I thought. And they both actually had decent matches. And I think, yeah, there were some good contributions definitely from them both. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily like to see that combination in the centre all the time away from home. But... I think for, from Wednesday's point of view, it's important to go a little bit back to basics and to show that 
organisation defensively. And so they needed, I think, at QPR, with how many good attacking players they've got, I could certainly understand why he went and decided to go for Pelly Pessi and Sam Hutchinson. I'd actually disagree with you. That that wasn't, uh, those two playing together, that wasn't the biggest selection surprise. It was Moses Odebajo coming back well, in at right yeah. back, but, which I, mean, I had hinted you had, at. I had hinted at. Your, your crystal ball was out. Yeah. And um, you, you'd sort of, yeah, hinted that he, he you know, might get another... I just hinted it as maybe he won't end up going on a free transfer rather than he'd be straight back in the team. So that probably was a, a surprise, yeah. Um, I was more surprised the fact that he kept his place on Tuesday. I thought that was a bit of a cup thing. Um, but we'll 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 come to that. Um, how do you think that he got on then? I thought he was okay, actually. I thought he was all right uh, on Friday. And it's, it was definitely said, one of his better performances, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was, as I said on in the podcast last week, that... Uh, he earned the right to play and by training really well and pr- and proving a point and that's something that we've heard Gary Monk say an awful lot and so Moses Odebajo was a player who it looked as if his Wednesday days were numbered and what he's done in the last few weeks has shown actually no I'm going to turn around and I'm going to fight for my place and future at Sheffield Wednesday uh, and so after being out in the cold. Remember, he'd not been in a match day squad for, I think, about eight matches. So you really are thinking that um, it's not looking too great for Moses Odebajo here. That for him to then actually show, um, yeah, that response and character, and, and I think he did a steady job in a in a much-changed back four. And I, I thought he came in and he did okay, yeah, for me on Friday night. There was also, um, and this is not a surprise because we've only got a finite number to pick from, but um, there was perhaps the unexpected selection of Winall and Rhodes together in um, attack. It's not a combination we've seen a lot of um, and not entirely convinced it's a combination we'll see a great deal more of after Friday because I don't think either of them were particularly terrible or anything, but uh, again, it wasn't the link-up play wasn't really there. He didn't kind of look at it and think, oh, we've hit upon something. These two have got a great understanding. They were kind of very individual players, weren't they, on the night? I remember there being signs of after Wednesday had initially signed Rhodes and we, we thought back in 2017 that, oh, maybe him and Winnell, they looked as if potentially, oh, yeah, they, they, they had something there. There was a bit of chemistry in that partnership. I think there was, I remember, was it Blackburn at home? I think they won 3-0. They beat always, Bir- no, Birmingham, I think it was. And uh, they both, I think, scored that night and they looked good together. And there, there was, you know, signs of an understanding. But yeah, on Friday, no, I thought they played really as, as individuals. Uh, but credit to Winnell for taking his goal very well. And that was by far and away Wednesday's best football for that goal, goal the the way that Reach and knew you and Winnell rounding it off. That was a, a classic sweeping counter-attacking move. The, the saying is they all count because that was um, a very nice, um, very well-worked goal. In contrast, Morgan Fox's goal was one of the strangest I think I've ever seen because everything just seemed to sort of stop. Um, and it was almost as if the Wednesday fans didn't really know whether to celebrate or not. It was this kind of like, is that actually, has that gone in? It was only because the players celebrated that I think everyone thought it must be a goal. We would have 
slated Wednesday had they conceded such a soft goal like that to switch off from a throw-in. And Morgan Fox just had all the time in the world, didn't he? He could have crossed it or have a bit of a topo, but the keeper should have done better. Well, he didn't, he didn't actually hit it all that well. No, I think even no, he thought like the whistle's going to go or something. This can't actually be happening. Um, and yeah, the keeper, I mean, it's just, it was, it was Wednesday style defending that. No, oh yeah, definitely was. But quick piece of thinking from Sam Hutchinson, who, yeah, as I touched on before, I thought had a you know good games, um, and uh, he was another one who, after a few a couple of matches and not being in the squad, that he was looking to come in and show what he's about. Uh, but unfortunately for him, he then picked up an injury, of course, and went off with uh, a knee problem. So. As we know, he I think he was the type of player that they did certainly miss at Wigan when we eventually come on to that. That is on my list. And, and let's, we, we're slightly jumping ahead, but I think there's relevance in talking about this now because um, obviously Sam Hutchinson didn't start against Blackburn. Um, he did start against QPR and then obviously he, was, he, he wasn't in the squad because of the injury that he picked up against uh, Wigan. It... Football isn't as simple as this. I know it isn't. Is is that is that what makes the difference? Is Sam Hutchinson the person that makes the difference? Is it him protecting the back four that gives them the confidence to defend the way that they did against QPR? Am I clutching at straws to just try and find some real easy way to explain why there's been two really fairly awful performances with one decent, certainly defensively in the second half against QPR. I thought Wednesday looked really assured and and um, very much in control of that game. And, and that couldn't be further from the situation in the two games either side of it. it yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. And I do think that for me, Sam Hutchinson is still that one in midfield who offers something different with, with his physicality. And we've said it so many times that when he doesn't play, that midfield looks even more lightweight. That's and it certainly did at the DW, um, and they they just can get buoyed too much. And uh, whereas Sam Hutchinson, at least you're going to get that aggression. He's around the six foot mark, so he, he's. He's taller and he just feels... There's a commanding presence there, isn't there, when Sam Hutchinson is there. And I'm not saying that he's Mr. Consistent. I, you know, I think sometimes he's another one who his form fluctuates too much for me and goes from that extreme of a five or a six to then there are certain matches where he just stand out and will be an eight or a nine out of ten. Uh, so, no, I, I think it's too simplistic really to just say that oh yeah Sam Hutchinson didn't start against Blackburn and he didn't start against Wigan and that's why things went pear-shaped you're right um and I find I feel confused sometimes when I think about Sam Hutchinson because I'll go through periods where I convince myself that we're better off without him in the starting eleven and that you know he can be a bit of a liability and is a bit hot-headed and that actually you need someone in that role that's maybe a bit more of 
um, if you if you kind of understand what I mean by this, but more of a footballer rather than Sam Hutchinson, who's a little bit of an enforcer, isn't he? Is is kind of a bit of a there's there's various words that you'd use to describe a player like Sam Hutchinson, none of which we can use on this podcast, but y- you know where I'm going with with that. And then there's times that I think we just are a a, a, a shadow of the team without him, as uh, that we are when he's playing so I don't know I'm, I'm confused about it but then I go through the same thing with Bannon sometimes and I've noticed a lot of people on social media in the last few days suggesting as the you know the Bannon bubble as it as it well and truly burst a lot of people turning on him and I think it's all just indicative of we have and it's natural that we want to just find one reason as to why we're good in this game and not in this game and we just want to pick on one thing that's just this magic formula to say well actually as long as we just do this then we'll just win every game from now on and it isn't yeah. that simple and well, before know, we we'll, go to Wigan yeah then uh, we might as well uh, finish everything off by then of course reflecting on the draw for the the next round so yep. uh, what was your reaction uh, well I mean they are the holders of um, the FA Cup so uh, I, I was keen on getting a home draw. Didn't really fancy because we knew it's, it's going to be a midweek game. Whatever mm. happens, didn't really fancy a trip anywhere. No. Um, I, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Liverpool, so if we'd have got Liverpool away, I, I wouldn't have been you know too disappointed about that. But yeah, I mean, City at home is a is a good draw. Now um, it's not the, the the last time that you'll hear this phrase mentioned on this podcast today, but. As we record this on Thursday, um, <laughs> when the game is going to be played has still not been announced. So, um, but it has to be that week. We know that uh, yeah. beginning of March the second. It's so, probably uh, going to be either the Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And let's face it, it, there's a very, very strong chance it's going to be selected for TV. Uh, I think that's probably inevitable, uh, and so you would think it's going to be between Wednesday and Thursday. And if it were Thursday, what impact maybe that would have on, is it Brentford away? I well, think Brentford away is on the Saturday that, after, which which would yeah. obviously, I think if it was the Thursday, it would get moved. So at the moment, yeah. City play on, on the two Sundays. So I think City yeah. play the Sunday before, they play the Sunday after. Um, it's not unheard of for a team to play Sunday and then Tuesday, but you would think that's probably yeah. less likely. Um, so yeah, probably the, the mm. Wednesday looks the most likely if we don't want to end up having to move the Brentford game but I feel like this has happened before away at Brentford where it's got shifted to a Sunday because of something else Mm. Um, so it's certainly not unheard of but I'm very selfishly it's our last trip to Griffin Park I want it to be a Saturday three o'clock I don't want it to end up being on a a Sunday and I think last time it got moved to a Sunday then all the trains afterwards got cancelled and it was a a real nightmare Mm. getting back and some people ended up staying over and uh, we ended up going via Doncaster and just praying the conductor didn't check our tickets because uh, they wouldn't have accepted them. But. The, the, do you want the other thing to mention on the Cup, just to finish it off, is that uh, incredibly it will be Gary Monk's first home tie in the FA Cup as a manager. Ever, was eight, it? Yeah. eight yeah. previous away. I couldn't believe that stat when I dug it up. Um, so, yeah. And that was a very positive day when you think of... Uh, the Overall, everyone was delighted to get Man City, uh, big home tie just what we want and on the same day of course it was confirmed that Cameron Dawson yep. uh, signed his new contract yep. and what, what did you make to the length of the contract so it's four years isn't it yes four and a half uh, four and a half yeah yeah. Um, uh, yeah I mean I think that's great I think that what um, what's become really 
clear and we are we're jumping around way more than we normally would do on the episode today the ocd in me is is sweating a bit about this i'm not i'm not i've got running order we're not sticking to it's fine um but i think what's become very clear particularly with some of the stuff that gary monk said after the wigan game and we are going to play that that interview a little bit later on is that he knows which players he sees as being part of the future of the team. Mm. And we touched on this, didn't we, last week? Uh, and and we've, we've, we've actually referenced it a couple of times about those signs of Gary Monk really starting to get to grips with not just the challenge ahead, but which players are going to form part of that and who probably isn't, but he's still got to play them in the meantime because you can't just go out and change a team overnight. Um, quite clearly, Cameron Dawson um, is going to be Sheffield Wednesday's long-term number one. Whether or not he's going to be number one in the in the immediate term when Kieran Westwood's back to full fitness or not, we're not quite sure. I suspect he probably is. Um, and that, you know, Gary Monk has kind of set his stall out now that, that Dawson is his number one. Yeah, no, Kieran, that, that Kieran Westwood a- is fit. Oh yeah, he, right. and he's not played last few right. games. So, we're back into the Yoss Lukai days of his he's third choice. So Cameron Dawson, number one, Joe Wildsmith, number two. Right. So that, that that's what it, it, that seems to be where we are at right now. The, big, the only, big statement there. From, no, it is. From Gary Monk and kind of gone a little bit under the radar, I think, of most Wednesdayites that yeah. you, the, the assumption is that oh, Westwood must not be fully fit because surely be getting on the mm. on the bench. So interesting that, you know, he is he's, he's back the, in that third choice slot. The only thing that I would say about the contract and the length of it is that with Cameron Dawson being 24, homegrown, Wednesday fan, he wanted to stay. He's earned a new contract with his performances over the last couple of months. That's not up for debate. But I hope it doesn't mean that we are going back to previous years of where Wednesday handed out long contracts to players. As long as it doesn't mean that we are going back to that point and uh, you know where look at Stephen Fletcher four year contract uh, Atty New Sam Hutchinson they got two and a half three year deals yeah. around the you know, the sort of back to back promotion years so I, th- I suppose that would be my only observation on, on the, the contract length and of course that, like, let's face it that's what Cameron Dawson's agents uh, and from their point of view they wanted as long as possible of course that they would have done that's what they'd have been pushing for with the client but we have seen in the past that maybe some of these Wednesday players could be accused of getting a bit comfortable uh, or or complacent and also you know I I like Cameron Dawson a lot and I think he deserves his new contract I do as I said the other day on, on social media I do think he's a good personality to have around the place but even in the last few weeks, let's get realistic, he's actually made a couple of mistakes from the Blackburn match and then QPR. So I'm not saying that that has crept into his game, but I'm just saying that that is the perils then of when you do offer a new contract and a player does know that he's going to be at a football club long, a long time. From my dealings of Cameron Dawson, I think he's the type who is he's going to carry on pushing himself to develop and get better and carry on improving and that he's not going to be happy at just being number one at Sheffield Wednesday. He wants to be number one at Sheffield Wednesday and take the club into the Premier League. Yeah. So that that's I've no real 
concerns over him, but it's just a general point on contracts and that I hope Wednesday not going back to the days when every player, and I say this for Morgan Fox or any of the other nine senior players that they're going to be dealing with, with many of them in their 30s or in and around that, they they shouldn't they don't warrant for me necessarily more than say two year deals maximum absolute maximum yeah I mean stripping it back even further than that really I mean of of the um, you know we we know obviously the the Dawson deal's done um, we know they're looking to tie something up with Morgan Fox I don't think anyone would particularly argue with um, not just how he's been playing but also our our current situation with fullbacks that giving a new contract to Morgan Fox is is definitely the right thing to do beyond that I, I've I'm not seen any Wednesday fans clamouring to say that we should offer a contract to anyone I think the uh, a couple of weeks back um, or maybe a few weeks before that you'd have looked at Stephen Fletcher and said he's in the form of his career even though he's you know at this stage of his career and you you probably would be looking at offering a new contract to him and I'd have expected the club to be offering uh, another year to him now I don't know is is it a matter of we've we've got to we've got to find someone who is of that quality but is uh, and I feel bad saying it, but he's not going to pick up the injuries in the way that Stephen Fletcher does. Well, look at the stats this season on Stephen Fletcher. He scored twelve goals in twenty-four matches, so he's he's averaging one every two. He's been in the form of his life. However, now a serious knee injury, so he's been he's going to basically be out for the best part of three months, and he will miss most of the second half of the season. And his contract's up in the summer. He's 33. Wednesday have to look at it from their point of view and get, and think, how many more years are they going to get out of Stephen Fletcher? Uh, right, good years. Uh, and I think that they have to... Cons- I think two years, I think, really, for, for all parties, I think is, pr- is probably the max. That w- I'm, not, um, I'm not even sure about... About that, it's problem a, it's is a though, Stephen age, though, Fletcher. You know, but the problem is, is a hard age for a footballer. The, all I'd say though, James, is the problem is that I can't see Stephen Fletcher after having a good first half of the season. If if you're his representatives, you're not going to settle for a one year deal. Oh yeah, you know, at his age, he want he'll want that security. So he'll want you would think a minimum of a two year deal. He's not going to sign right. for one year, but it would. It, but you'd ha- like to think it may be beyond reduced terms, or you, you again incentivize that contract and do something different to make it work for everybody. Yeah, that's. Well, the, we're not. We're not giving him two years on what he's earning now, are we? That's. I think that's just. No. That, that would be. That would be silly to do. Um, I, and I think you know we. We, it's 12 months ago we were having this conversation just after Kieran Westwood had come back into the team about about him. We'd all pretty much made our peace with the fact that we probably weren't going to see Westwood again and he'd be off and he'd be gone. Um, and, and probably kind of, you know, licking our sores a little bit about the fact that there's been opportunities to sell him for decent sums of money. Um, and, you know, he was going to go and, and that was that was the end of it. Um, we gave him a new contract, everyone thought that was the right thing to do, and now we'd look at it and say, well, actually, was it the right thing to do? Are we going to regret that a bit? We know that 
um, you know, Kieran Westwood is up there or thereabouts in terms of being our highest earning player. Um, it, it's a considerable amount of money that we could have spent elsewhere in terms of wages. And he's our third choice goalkeeper right now. You know, it, it's, um, I'm not sure that there's much, I don't see much of, of an argument for saying that giving two years to a striker, even Stephen Fletcher, at 33 is, is a wise way of... I'll turn it around again. If he was five or a yeah. week, if he was five grand a week, yeah. then it'd be a different matter. But mm. he's still going to be a high earning. Let, let's take the debate a bit further then. So, uh, if you don't offer Stephen Fletcher new contracts, he moves on in the summer. Wednesday could be in that situation that we've talked about before, of where they only have one striker on the books in the summer. Yeah. So that's Jordan Rhodes. By the way, let's just clarify this once and for all because it comes around all the time. Jordan Rhodes, after this season, has one more year left at Sheffield Wednesday. You can search it out on the internet and the information that you'll find is wrong. Correct. uh, Because there is one more year on his contract. So Jordan Rhodes, definitely with Wednesday for another year. Whether he gets loaned out for that, whether he goes in January, whether it goes at the end of the season, we don't know. But there is another year after this season on his contract. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes, which... Get that ticked off, ticked off, boxed off. That's that's done. So no debate about this. No, that's, that's there is no fact. debate. Facts, facts of the matter. But then you've got Fletcher, Forestieri, New You, Winnell, and then they're all up. Uh, and I suppose I, I don't know. We've done maybe a bit of a tangent here. Again, we're not sticking to your running order, but uh, I'm still this, sweating about it. I know you are. I can see it. And uh, but the wider picture is that this is, of course. Uh, that we're talking about the out-of-contract players, particularly as you, we are thinking of the comments that Gary Monk made after Wigan, which is yeah. very pertinent to this, yeah. of, of when he said that some of these players shouldn't be here. Uh, couldn't be more strong. I, and I think that, uh, everywhere I've looked, and fans I've spoken to, they've actually applauded Gary Monk for the honesty and just saying as it is that some of these players are too comfortable, they shouldn't be here. Uh, there are some who deserve to be here, but others have to be moved on. And the, the out-of-contract players is really going to be in the summer. That's the opportunity, of course, for Gary Monk to start actually putting his mark down on yeah. this, this squad. We've we've had a, a pretty crap few weeks, haven't we, in, in Wednesday world? And um, I have... I've seen a few people turn a bit on Gary Monk, but generally the feeling seems to be, look, what can he do? This is the hand he's been dealt. And um, I'm, I'm doing my very best not to swear here, but I mean, it's not it's not great. It didn't inherit a, gr- a great group of players. And we know that they can put in a performance, but when the going gets tough, this is a, a group of players as a collective, and I'm not singling out individuals, they go missing. And we've seen it time and time and time again. Uh, and there's nothing that suggests that there's anything any manager can do that's going to stop that. So I think what Gary Monk said after the Wigan game was was probably what we needed to hear. It's that, you know, he's not daft, he sees it, but these are the players that he's got and he's got to play 11 of them. He can't just play five of them and just go, well, I'll just take them all out. He's got to play someone. And that means he's going to have to continue playing some players that he probably doesn't want to and he probably doesn't want to be as part of the future of the club. And that means the rest of the season might well end up being a bit rubbish because I'm not saying the season's over, but is this a team that showed it's got the character to put together that run to get us in the playoffs? I don't think so. Is it a team that's going to handle a points deduction if it comes? (sighs) Uh, that that really is the worry 
now um, and probably not even worth worrying about. We're just going to have to cross that bridge when it uh, when it comes. But, but, you but know, five, they're, they're going to hear what Gary Monk's saying six. and they're going to know, oh, he's probably talking yeah. about me there. And so we're going to have some players that are probably quite disengaged now with, with the rest of this season. But he couldn't come out after that on, yeah. on Tuesday night and brush it under the carpet and just go, well, you know, we'll have to do some serious questions for us to ask ourselves in training. It needed to be stronger than that. It, it, no, it and, did. And so we find it ourselves did. in this situation whereby I think we all, as a fan base, agree that Gary Monk has, has given us enough signs to suggest that he could be the guy that can make this work long term. But my God, it's a big job and it isn't, he's not going to fix it in January. He's probably not going to fix it next, next summer. It's a longer term project than that. But, and again, we're jumping around here. He's brought in two players who are young and uh, all right, one's only on, on loan, but we're seeing the kind of players that he's looking to bring in. Look, before we jump ahead to that, let's let's get Wigan out of the way. Let's talk about um, Wigan because we, we've touched on it and we need to break it down a little bit because there were a couple of changes. I think it was three changes altogether, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was Hutch, Tom Lees and Jordan Rhodes out. Noticeably, no sign of Kieran Lee anywhere near the squad for those for the for, for the last he's two, injured. two games. He he, is yeah, injured. he's got a shoulder injury. Okay. Um, first half, Wednesday did create some chances and probably should have been ahead before Murphy did score the goal. There were chances there. Not a lot. But there were some. There were some. I think we were the better team. Yeah. Without playing remotely well. uh, Wigan were fairly awful. Well, yeah, as you would expect from a team that have won one of 17 going into that. And that's what makes it worse from a Wednesday point of view when you think of the form. And then they had... If you don't laugh, you'd cry. And then at home, they hadn't scored a goal from open play. All season until the what? overnight. Yep. So all season, all season, they've oh. been from set plays. So it makes it worse. But yeah, all I, I, in terms of chances, Murphy's goal, which by the way, fantastic cross from Morgan Fox. Yeah, so we've, we've got to talk about the positive there. Great pass from Bannon. That was the best thing that I thought Barry Bannon did on the night to put Morgan Fox in the clear. And, and Morgan Fox, yeah, I, yeah, I have to say his crossing has improved. That's another yeah. f- facet of his game, which uh, I think that, yeah, Gary Monk and his coaching staff, they've got to take a fair amount of credit for the, the progression that we've seen there. And, and Murphy, Murphy was bright on a, on occasions. You know, again, if you thought if anyone was going to make anything happen at, at QPR, I thought he was very good in the first half. We didn't say this earlier, but I thought Murphy actually uh, at QPR, again, continuing the, the, his away form. So we've had Brighton, Leeds, QPR, and, and at times at Wigan. I think we have seen more from Jacob Murphy in those away matches than what we have probably in 10 other games he's appeared in, you know, what this season, 10 or 15. I feel as if at least, you know, you can tell he's been an outlet. Yeah. He's been... Yeah, he, but, he but tends to only play half a game, though, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I still, you know, you look at him and you think that, you know, he's now chipped in with four goals this season, yeah. so it's not a bad return. Yeah. Uh, I don't think many assists there, but you're right. That's what's let him down, is that he's not like the team they have just not delivered many 19 minute performances but no uh, that second half for me was 
inexcusable and nearly as bad as Blackburn. I think I think it was as bad as Blackburn, and I actually yeah. think that the result was worse than Blackburn. At least you know if you're going to lose a match, then if if you're three 0 down at half time, you know you've lost it. We were in that game. And we should have won. You know, we should be winning that game against Wigan. To lose that in in that manner, that late on again, is worse for me than the Blackburn defeat. You know, every team has these games where things just completely fall to bits, and that's what happened against Blackburn. The Wigan game, there wasn't. It wasn't like a like the Blackburn thing. We could all just say, "Oh, we didn't see it coming." It, it had already come, so we should have absolutely seen it. You know, all the warning signs were there. The the defending in the second half was sloppy. Um, we actually seen Morgan Fox going off. Yeah. We seemed to fall to bits after that. That was a big turning to have point. A, an effect. Yeah. We should be able to deal with one of our fullbacks having to go yeah. off injured. It did. I will say this in in um, in defence of the defence that Morgan Fox going off then meant the whole reshuffle of then you had Odebajou into left back, I offered to right back, Tom Lee sent off. So definitely not ideal. No, but not, I not tell ideal. You, but I tell you this though, the best teams would have found a way though. They would have still ground out a result or they would have overcome that setback. And this it, it really is embarrassing that we're ne- you know we're now looking at it and we're coming up to, we've not reached thirty matches this season, and Wednesday have dropped eighteen points from winning positions. That is appalling. If they even it's put, the difference, if they take half different. of those, half of those, they'd be in the playoffs comfortably right now. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen it you know so often, haven't we? Away from home, from Blackburn, Stoke, and Wigan. And it's all those late goals. You know, that's 10. 10 in the last 10 minutes of matches this season. That's concentration. People will question fitness, which is what, you know, you've brought up a few times before. And just just everything about it. It's unacceptable, you know, when you, you look at man-to-man Wednesday, they've got a far superior team to Wigan. But they wanted it more. They were just hungrier. And they, they were the team, you know, they're a team that, are scrapping for their lives but the you know the manager's under huge pressure and the atmosphere in the ground not quite toxic but very flat and when yeah when that play went off and they all booed and it was like yeah it, it, it did you're right toxic it's not far off what what we've got to take advantage of stuff like that haven't we just got to. yeah it's just so baffling and frustrating for everyone that you, you just keep thinking that Wednesday the this close and then oh yeah they're actually that far away that you, you, you feel as if that if they'd got that result against Wigan and then oh you know Millwall at home and still got a decent run of fixtures but they just yeah they, they threw it away and then you know they were they were going up to 7th had they hung on and won at Wigan and then now what are they 11th yeah. Five points off the playoffs. You're right. They've lost five of the last six. It's all No, no chance. They have no chance of the playoffs at the moment. I, I just can't see it. Uh, yeah, they'd have to string a, a, a long winning run together now. And when I say that, f- about five, six wins, and Wednesday haven't won three in a row for nearly a cu- two years in the league. So it's not going to happen. It's um, consistency is, is is a word that keeps coming into my head because it's uh, players that at times can be all right, but generally um, lack that consistency. Odebajo, obviously, he'd been 
out of the team for quite a while, came in, did all right at QPR, um, you know, has... Uh, a, a clear opportunity to get rid of that ball before uh, Wigan score that winner, and and just again just wasn't really up to it. Now I'm not singling him out because you know, across the park no one particularly put in a great performance, and um, you know defensively it was fairly shambolic. No, the back, um, back four was all over the place. The, Let's get the it right. Movement, yeah, everything was just yeah. it was just wrong. Midfield right non-existent. Up front, uh, I, I thought Atty and Winnell. Uh, that they certainly were working tirelessly up front in the first half and putting themselves about. But, uh, you know, they had nothing really to feed off in the second half. But lack of creativity uh, and and it was the desire. And that's why, good on really, Gary Monk, for not protecting these players anymore uh, because he certainly did after Hull. That, you know, he could have gone after them then. He could have gone after them more, after the Blackburn mooring, and he didn't. But I felt as if on Tuesday night that that was it. He'd reached the end of his tether, that he's seen enough now from this group in the last yes. six, seven weeks to think that uh, he's not getting a tune out of some of these players and that he wants to put his own stamp on this team and, uh, and he's not really going to get the chance to do it in this window. So that summer... He's got major, major overhaul written all over it. Let's uh, let's remind ourselves of uh, what Gary Monk had to say after the game on Tuesday night at Wigan. I think it's been too comfortable for too long, and when you when it's been too comfortable for too long, you get into that mode where the need to do it every game, the need to do it every day, that fight and desire to do it can wind you know wean away. And um, I'm very it's not like a light switch; you can just turn it on. That has to be you know managed and brought together and they're consistent like I said and, um, and yeah everyone's had the opportunity to show if they can do that or not and, and yeah all the time assessing the group as well as trying to push them to the right direction and trying to give them everything that, that we can to let them perform and, and do it but then it has to come from within and as I said I protect them I praise them when they deserve praise and I protect them as much as I can but there's times where you can't give people do you know what I mean? I'm not here, going to sit, sit here and say that that was acceptable in the second half in front of those fans, and you, know, you can't kid people. So you have to be honest, and whether my words are harsh and people take them out, I, I don't care. You know, it's to be honest. And, um, and as I said, change needs to come. It's not going to happen just overnight. It's not going to happen just in this window. It's a process. I've said that from the start. So, um, but what becomes clearer every every day and nights like tonight, periods that we've had in this last month where. The going gets tough. It's games after games and periods. It's, it shows the true colours and shows the true, you know, the metal of the group, and, and that's been wanting in quite a few occasions. And, um, and that tells you a story about the desire and determination that needs to be there and that needs to change. So um, some will be able to do it. I can see clearly. Some that can't. That's just the facts of life of a football team. So um, that needs to change. So obviously, Gary Monk, not a happy uh, guy. We've we've talked a bit about what he had to um, what he had to say. Uh, this is not me trying to particularly put a positive spin on things because it's not a very positive thing to say at all. But um, I know, it, I mean, it's it's so frustrating what's happened in the last few weeks because this year the championship is weaker than it has been in the past and there is a glaring opportunity for a team that isn't amazing to still, you know, get in with a decent shot of getting into the um, Premier League. But... I'm I'm just, I'm just not really sure if I 
would like what might happen should we be the team that would have sneaked into the Premier League this season. Um, for a few different reasons. Um, firstly, because I think we'd blow the money stupidly because I don't think we've got the recruitment plan right just yet and that's going to take a bit um, longer. I think we'd come straight back down with some pretty bad defeats and that it would turn things a little bit um, toxic. But more than that, I think it's just better now that we just let Gary Monk build a proper squad, bring in a proper recruitment team, bring in the players that uh, we need to bring in and, and actually go up into the Premier League when we're ready. Yeah, no, and that's I, not I, this season. I think the this since Christmas, this period that it's been a, a re- reality check. That's what it has been, and a huge reminder of there's so much work that needs to be done on and off the pitch to get Wednesday up to the standard of the Premier League. And and you're right. That's why uh, it. If we are maybe clutching here, aren't we? But it, it probably is going to be a blessing in disguise that Wednesday, uh, for various reasons or whatever, that they won't be good enough to finish in the top six. But it allows them to plan and build for the future. And I suppose what we have seen uh, and what we've talked about is the emergence of youth or at least youth getting an opportunity and so we're seeing Ben Hughes and Alex Hunt uh, and Big O and uh, that they're going to be in and around the team. And I think what's going to happen is that uh, if, if Wednesday, if it becomes clear in the next few weeks and they, and they continue on this poor run of form and the way out of the playoff picture, don't be surprised if Gary Monk then just goes, right, I'm going to play a lot more of the youngsters. I can see that happening this season. Uh, and possibly it might happen even if there is a big turnaround in form. I, I think we're going to just see that influx of youth. We're going to see more of that uh, as Gary Monk is you know, not able to strengthen the, the team through signing players. He's not really had too much of a window of an opportunity to do that. Uh, this one we always knew was going to be a tricky one where they weren't going to sign many players. Reality is, with the whole EFL situation and where Wednesday are at the moment, it it really is gonna was always going to be the summer. This summer is when Gary Monk, you feel as if yeah. he flexes muscles. Then it it pains me to even suggest this because he's a guy that's still ruining my football life, albeit seven hundred and fifty miles away. Did Yoslahuka actually get it right? Played lots of youth. Westwood nowhere near the team. He made some pretty big calls with other senior players that there have been questions about. He wasn't Mr. Charisma and he didn't make a connection with the fan base and that ultimately meant it didn't really matter what he did. He was going to fail at Sheffield Wednesday. But what we're seeing Gary Monk roll out is not that dissimilar no. to what Jos Lukai was trying to do. No, it really isn't. And we've said it, that I think with Jos Lukai, what it was, was that the idea and the principle was right. The execution was lacking. That's what, what it was, that I wouldn't have dropped or left out as many senior players as what he did. But you're looking at Kieran Westwood right now, coming back to the present day, that certainly has the hallmarks and is very similar to what happened under Jos Lukai. We're going to see if, will there be any other senior players? Moses Odebajo was another one until very recently who looked out of the picture. I, I think there's going to be a few. that you know, Gary Monk, has, he's had enough. 
I think I think he's just he's just gone. And I'm going to make some hard decisions. I'm going to make some tough decisions, and I'm going to be ruthless. And that I'm not going to stand for this. That's what he said the other night. I am not going to tolerate and and put up with mediocrity. Uh, and so he's going to be going all out to shake this team up, and that's what it's needed for some time. Yeah, and so that's what I see him doing, hundred percent. So Millwall um, on. Saturday now, odd one. They very nearly got a result at Leeds midweek. I mean, from being two 0 up to lose that game, they'll see that as being quite a bad defeat actually, and and that that as much as you know Wednesday being one up at, at Wigan, we shouldn't go on and lose that game. Millwall being two 0 up at Leeds, you wouldn't expect them to go on and lose it. So they're going to be looking for a bit of a reaction as well. And there's always been a character associated with. Millwall teams that you probably wouldn't associate with Wednesday teams. So it's two teams that are looking to bounce back. Who's going to show the most character might well be um, the the order of the day, really. Um, so I tell you what, if real Wednesday tough one to call. It is, but I tell you what, if Wednesday, if they're not ready for a physical battle and to roll themselves their sleeves up and get stuck in, uh, and which they most certainly weren't in the last home match, then they're going to be in for another rude awakening. And, and, we, and we know that with who Millwall have got up from, Matt Smith, they're going to be direct. And, and that that's from set plays. You've got Jed Wallace, who's been in great form for them this season. They've got some good individuals in Millwall. Yeah, they've got this sort of tag of being direct, sometimes maybe a bit long ball. Uh, but if Wednesday aren't ready for it, they will yeah. again slip up at home. And, and Wednesday badly need a result at home. Uh, we, they need some positivity back at Hillsborough after three defeats in a row. It's, it's a really pivotal match. They, they need to sort of stop this rot that they've got into in the league, five defeats from the last six. Uh, and a home performance would go a long way to lifting, hopefully, the mood a little bit. Um, a saying of the uh, of the podcast, as we record this on Thursday, um, Gary Monk would normally do his media stuff on, on a Thursday when the game is on a Saturday. Now he's uh, moved that to uh, tomorrow, to Friday. Um, so we've we've not kind of had the usual sort of hints from what he's said about whether there's likely to be changes coming or any kind of updates on any players that are, are injured or maybe might be coming back into the team. So we're guessing a little bit there. By the way, the conspiracy theorist in me wants to make a big deal about the fact that Gary Monk's moved his media to Friday. Um, you think it's just because he just doesn't really want to talk about the Wigan game, game again yet? <laughs> uh, which is probably right. There's I probably think it's a number because of he's, reasons he's why, working yeah. very hard on a yeah. deal that he wants yeah. to announce beforehand or uh, you know, he, he's uh, got some big announcement to yeah. make, which is probably not the case at all. But I, I that's think the conspiracy theorist in me. But going back to the the team and what it potentially might look at, and you've got to think he's going to make minimum well, I was, I was four or five. Say, is, How many do you is make? Is this a game where actually you could mm. say because they they really do need to be on the ball against Millwall because we've seen it. We've lost badly to Millwall in the past. Right, they will punish a team. And they have got character. Is this a game where he could bring in some of the younger players and say, do you know what? Go out there and just give 100%. Well, what we didn't say actually before was that I thought Alex Hunt uh, certainly did put himself yes. about uh, when Agreed. he came on at QPR. And I thought he, he showed some very positive signs uh, and was a good little cameo um, of what he's about and what he can bring maybe to midfield. 
And that's the area Wednesday are limited right now in options. Massimo Luongu's not going to play. He's not available for QPR. He's still recovering from a groin strain. Kieran Lee, you would think, will be touch and go. Uh, and, and and Sam Hutchinson will be a, a, a doubt, I would imagine, as well. So you're then left as only with the two senior midfielders, uh, Barry Bannon and Joey Perry-Pessy. But can you really go in with those two in a in in a two man midfield against Millwall, I'd be really reluctant to do that. Um, so maybe Alex Hunt uh, is, will That's be knocking the on the door. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. You got to think Adam Reach. I'm going to say there's an argument here for for Reach to go back to that central I, I, midfield role that we know he's played before. No, I mean for me, I think Adam Reach should go to the left. I think he should be playing for instead of Kadeem Harris. I think Kadeem Harris uh, didn't do enough to keep his place overnight so I would be bringing Adam Reach back in um, up front it's what does he do there um, they don't have you know we're going to see if they manage to bring anyone in who knows could be Connor Wickham but will they get that deal done in on time will they, you know, will they if they get a striker in will they be eligible to play uh, on the Saturday, so or it could be a big time, ask. Isn't it? Lunchtime on. Well, usually the day before. Yeah, it might work a bit differently, perhaps on transfer deadline day. But it's going to be a big ask anyway to throw somebody in. If certainly if it's someone who's not played a lot of football, to then say, oh yeah, you're going to start up front the next day after a whirlwind sort of 24 hours. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on that being the case. So then you've only got well, I don't know, Borokov. Does Preslav Borokov get a start? Does does the big Bulgarian get a start? Yeah. Um, when it, you, it, the temptation is just said, you know, why not? Why yeah. not? You know, after after two fairly awful defeats like that, I mean, is is it is it at that point? I mean, it, if we were a couple of months further into the season, you'd definitely be saying, Do you know what, don't matter, just throw them in now because they're more likely to be our future than some of the players that you know. Yeah. Is Sam Winnall yeah. our future? Is Atty Newby our future? But you know, could the does anyone else call him the bull? Have I made that? Have I? You've just made that. that? Up, I made it? But I quite like that. Bull. I'm hoping that's going to catch on. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I, I, I kind of just feel like why not? And it's such a fan thing to say, isn't it? That it's easy to say as a fan because as a manager, you've got to balance that against the risk of if you throw someone in and they have a real nightmare, could you set them back for? you know, months, even years of their career, you know, it's, it, it can affect players so badly. And I think we've actually seen it with, with some players that have, have come into the team really out of the blue and actually ultimately it's ended up costing them. Yeah, well, yeah, but, Liam Palmer may be back and so you, you, he would definitely be coming in, wouldn't he, into one of the fullback positions. If Morgan Fox is out, that would be a blow. We hope he's, he's fit and available. But then Liam Palmer will have to, be asked to play at left back you would think they'd have to throw him straight back in um, but he has been in full training um, what he does at right back does he go to Azazi or, or will it be Moses Odebajo for the third match in a row Moses Odebajo should have done better for the second goal I agree with you Wigan he got out jumps and uh, they flicked it on and then it's headed over Cameron Dawson um, but yeah Mind you, defensively, both goals were, were shocking at Wigan. Uh, yeah. And the whole back four and that final half an hour, they they just looked as if they could get ripped to shreds at will. 
at times. So defensively, what does he do? It, yeah, Tom Lees was on the bench, wasn't he? And then he came on at Wigan. Lo- loads and loads of decisions. It, it really is going to be a fascinating team selection for Gary Monk on, on Saturday. I think we might actually learn a lot more about what he intends to do regarding the future on Saturday. We might get a glimpse of it. Uh, and then does he throw in uh, the new boy, Alessio? Well, let's talk about him because, again, as we record this, uh, Wednesday have made uh, one signing this week. Now, we hope there's more to come uh, and we'll obviously reflect on those after the uh, transfer deadline tomorrow night. Um, I still think my what comes first, Brexit or Conor Wickham um, thing is, is quite interesting. Um, I'm sure Sky Sports would have like clocks in either side of the screen to time it if they were going to do that. Uh, yeah, tell us about the new guy. Uh, so they've signed him from Parma in Italy and uh, he had a loan spell at Ascoli first half of the season. Uh, actually, goal return-wise and assists was was not bad. I think he played about 18 matches, six goals, six assists. He, uh, can, across that front line, he can play on the wing or he can play up front. He had actually um, a bit of time at Ajax um, you know, when he was coming through there and then FC20. He's had quite a few loan spells. He's 23 um, and he's played at Dutch under 20 level. So he's not bad pedigree. Not a lot of people in this country are going to have heard of him. A couple of years ago, uh, Arsenal and Liverpool were rumoured to be very much interested in him. And uh, obviously... He, he didn't end up going to either one of them, but to, I suppose, get even linked with the big club shows that he must have something about him. And I think watching some clips of him on YouTube, it's pace. That's what he's going to bring. And that's what we know that Wednesday has been crying out for and need. So I think that uh, hopefully he'll come in and he will make a bit of a, an impact. But yeah, he's got 17 matches, hasn't he, to show us what he's all about. It'd be interesting to see whether or not he, he comes in. So, um, Alessio de Cruz, easy yes. one to pronounce this one. Sounds like he could also be a nightclub DJ. That's what I think. Interesting thought. Yes. Um, you, I think if you're Gary Monk, you'd be very tempted to throw him straight in, wouldn't you? But, I mean, it's a baptism of fire against Millwall. Like, if you've not played in the in the English league before, you know, Millwall's like... It will definitely be a welcome to the championship it, it if will, you throw him really in. It really will, yeah. I suspect he'll probably be um, probably be on the bench. Um, and then we've just got to wait and see if there's any other signings between uh, now and uh, the end of the transfer window. Or outgoings. Or Jordan, outgoings, Well, yeah. you never know, Jordan I think Rose, they're dependent possibly. on incomings though aren't they so it's it's this great kind no, of property so. chain sort well, of thing again isn't it I mean up front perhaps yeah that Wednesday surely wouldn't allow Jordan Rhodes to go unless they've got another striker coming in uh, but then you have got Forestieri of course is another one who's coming back whether he'd be considered for Millwall um, I'm not sure we'll find we'll find out but he, he's going to be another option certainly over the coming weeks our opinions then last week we um Really cheered ourselves up by asking what the worst Wednesday feat you've ever seen has been. Um, we've been ranting so much about uh, another Wednesday feat that we haven't really got time to to go through any of the um, responses. But we'll uh, I'll, I'll retweet a few of them. Um, there have been some shocking defeats over the years. They really have. Um, this week's over to you. Uh, so we thought in light of um, Wednesday signing Alessio de Cruz uh, that. Uh, I would put it out there to go 
who would you say has been Chef Wednesday's best ever foreign signing? Good one, this. Um, I'm going to say Alman Abdi. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've I've got to go for um, Paolo Di Canio. Well, quite a few would go for Di Canio. Yeah, Rowan, I mean, you've got Rowan Nielsen. Rowan Nielsen. Yeah, you uh, you kind of almost take him for granted a little bit, don't you? But I suppose in the last thing, Di Canio did yeah. stuff that we'd not had a player that could do for such a long time, mm. yeah. um, and he was like, you know, if Wednesday signed. A Paolo Di Canio before the end of the transfer window tomorrow, you'd be like, that's exactly what this team needs, isn't it? Someone that can yeah. just make stuff happen and just score goals out of um, of nothing. It, and I hate the way it all ended. Yeah. And you know, the guy's a bit of a prat, to be fair. But um, I've I've got to say, I've got to say. I suppose if you look from the last two decades, you'd put Majid Bouguera would maybe be another one that yeah. would you know you go was good value for money and was a top defender this time here Emerson Tome yeah he was he was a he was an absolute he, he was a unit wasn't he Emerson he really was um, but I mean, I mean there'd be loads Glenn, Glenn Leuvens was a great defender yes. really was um, there's yeah there's a there's a few in the not not too distant past so yeah we'll throw it open to you who, who are you going to say by the way uh, well it's hard to look past Rowland so you're you're going with you're going with Rowley. Well, you know we are talking one of the greats. Yeah, um, to point. play for Wednesday and just what? Oh, just, By the way, we what, should have seen more of him live. But what a top player! He what was. are we classing as foreign here? Are, are we? Well, does, Swedish does, definitely falls into that category. Absolutely. But then you've got John Sheridan, Republic of Ireland. Well, technically foreign. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not from British. Isles, no, right. no, no. They have to be from abroad. Yes, from all right, cool. For, yes, foreign lands. Yes. So we're going full on Brexit for this. Yes, one. yes, we are. Right, going okay, on. Fine. Yeah. well, it's topical, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> all right, you can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott, or contact the show at Dom and James. Let us know your thoughts on uh, Wednesday's best ever foreign player. Thank you to our gold sponsor, Title Law, who you can find at titlelaw.co.uk or on t- Twitter at Title Law. Thank you for joining us. If you do like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and see you next week. Wow.